Welcome to the Steroids Podcast with your host, Dan the Bodybuilder from Thailand. Steroids Podcast is brought to you by Ultimate Guide to Roids, 109-page ebook by Dan the Bodybuilder from Thailand. Now, for the first time in bodybuilding history, you have someone with no corporate interests and no obligation to please anyone, not walking on eggshells to not offend. Ultimate Guide to Roids gives you the information, the whole information, the whole truth, not a full truth and a half-truth. Full truth. Ultimate Guide to Roids gives you the keys to the Lamborghini, gives you the information, and lets you decide what to do with it. It's a crime this information has been suppressed this long. Now let's get on with the podcast. Okay, welcome to episode 40 of the Steroids podcast. Been a good time recording these for you guys. Have had a lot of feedback that the podcast is something you look forward to, looking forward to the new episode. So... That makes me uh, feel good because, you know, I see that uh, producing something that you guys enjoy and give you something to look forward to. Cool. I like that. Um, A couple I wanted to talk about uh, vaccines a little bit, actually, because uh, I've been getting questions about them. People have been asking me, you know, what do you what do you think of vaccines? And so let's just talk uh, before we get into the steroids questions. You know, what what are vaccines? So vaccines, uh, the traditional vaccines that have always uh, been around are uh, what they are is, is a dead bioorganism. So a virus or a bacteria, et cetera. And um, it's it's inactivated. So it's it's not alive. And that's why it normally doesn't give, get you sick unless there was uh, something messed up with the manufacturing. Um, and then that is combined with something called an adjuvant. And an adjuvant is a toxin that promotes a strong immune response in the body or like a shock immune response. And so the the dead virus, they want to get you a really strong immune response to uh, the dead virus. So the adjuvant is like a, a stimulus to really shock the immune system and get it active when that uh, that dead uh, bioorganism is in there, the, di- the disease that they're trying to vaccinate you against. Um there the the problem the problem why people get side effects from vaccines you know why there's uh you know there's there's a lot of uh government pressure not to say uh that vaccines can do something bad but uh you know there is countless um examples of uh people you know having um you know getting paralyzed getting sick um having autism um, having allergies, autoimmune diseases, etc., from uh, getting vaccines. So, let's uh, explain quickly why something like that could happen. Uh, basically, a lot of these um, ingredients that go into the vaccines, a, a lot of the ingredients for any kind of medication that you use, uh, comes from some type of oil, some type of biological oil, and then uh, chemical reactions are done to it in order to make it into a certain chemical. So for example, testosterone. Testosterone comes from soybean oil. They start with a cholesterol molecule from soybeans and they do chemical reactions to that cholesterol uh, molecule until it becomes testosterone. So the testosterone that you inject, it's 
based off of soybeans. That's that's uh, where where it came from was soybeans. Uh, so so with with other kinds of medications, this is also the case. Uh, not all, but but many of them, and also ingredients. So you know the when they actually uh, get are creating the the dead viruses uh, genome or etc. Uh, what they're doing uh, in the vaccine, uh, it may not have come from um, from something like that, from a, an oil, but there may be ingredients in the vaccine uh, that were derived from uh, something like uh, peanuts or something like um, like soybeans, etc., uh, etc. Et and so when you have that original thing that the uh, that that the ingredient came from, and then you have that adjuvant in there creating this uh, hyperimmune response, your body can then create a learned immune response to whatever else was included in the vaccine. Um, and and also it can have an immune response to some things that uh, happen in your own body naturally, attacking your own body. Because the, the point of a vaccine is to create learned memory in your immune system. So whatever's going on in your body when that adjuvant gets in there, um, if you're someone who has a sensitivity, it can uh, give you a learned memory to whatever was going on in your body that time, you know? Uh, so it, it can make the body attack itself, autoimmune diseases, um, give you allergies to, to peanuts, etc. And, you know, there, there's a lot of pressure, you know, to not say that, that that's what's happening, okay? Um, and, and you know, I, I don't want to get too into vaccines or, or how much proof there is or whatever with that, um, that that's happening. But there is to, to be, um, to just put the, the least into it as I can, I will say that there's a lot of anecdotal reports, uh, anecdotal reports being thousands and thousands of anecdotal reports um, of these things happening uh, from people. Uh, so with the, the coronavirus vaccine that they're uh, creating, though, this is a different kind of vaccine that's never been used before. It's a completely different type of uh, uh, a way of creating immunity than the traditional vaccines. So this is something new. Um, it's based on um, actually the same way that growth hormone is manufactured um, from our DNA technology, recombinant DNA technology. Uh, growth hormone is manufactured, as we've discussed on the podcast, from uh, genetically engineering viruses and inserting them into E. coli bacteria to change the DNA of the E. coli bacteria. Um, and then the E. coli bacteria then produces human growth hormone as a response. So that's an example of our DNA technology. Um, and and so with the, with the uh, coronavirus vaccines... These are our DNA um, vaccines. And so what they, they contain is they, they contain a, a segment of genetic uh, code, genetic material um, and that it, it goes into your cells and then it uh, leaves that genetic material in your DNA. So what your DNA has now, the, uh, the you know, this new, uh, these new things called our DNA vaccines, they will add something new to your DNA uh, that you didn't have before. And uh, the, the, the premise behind this is that what they will be adding to your DNA is a, uh, a, bit, a bit of DNA that shows your body 
how to produce uh, what it needs to produce to uh, battle a coronavirus. Okay, so the the immunity that one would get when they were uh, had a coronavirus infection and then uh, fought it off, they are trying to inject um, a a new bit of DNA into you, and then it goes through all the cells in your bodies, and then your your body becomes like a factory of producing all your different cells now have this new DNA in them and they they produce um, the antidote to the coronavirus. So that's just a little crash course on uh, how vaccines work, what vaccines are, guys. And there's a lot of talk about the new coronavirus vaccine. Um, And so that one's a little different. You know, there's never been a vaccine that's used our DNA technology before. So I wanted to go over that real quickly. Uh, since it's been being asked about um, something else also that uh, people have asked about um, was, uh, oh, yeah, what did you say back when you didn't they were asked, they've been asking me, what did you tell people back when you didn't tell people that you use steroids? What did you tell them when they would ask you about, you know, why were you getting so big? What's the secret? Um, are you on steroids, et cetera? <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know what? That's an uncomfortable thing because if you're, if you're not willing to, um, say what you're doing, um, and, and there's quite a lot of reasons to not be willing to say what you're doing, um, you know, you're going to be, you're not obligated to tell anyone anything, but you are going to be lying if you're not, um, you know, if you, if you say, some other reason when you know that the main reason is that you're taking steroids. So, you know, if you say it's your diet, your keto diet or, um, uh, whatever. And there's like an elephant in the room, you know, but the other guys don't know better. You know, they're like, how are you getting like this, man? How are you changing? It's like, well, I've been on my keto diet. And then they all start keto dieting or something. (laughs) And they're, you know, they're never going to look like you though. That that's what happens with a lot of the fake natties on, on social media too. So, you know what? I always hated that. I always hated not being able to be upfront or honest about, uh, you know, being on steroids. So it was about the first couple years that I used steroids. I wasn't um, upfront about uh, about what I was doing when people would ask. I wasn't comfortable talking about it. Um, now, now I I am um, obviously. <laughs> uh, you know, asking for advice though on on what to say. Um, you know, I really don't have any advice on what to say, uh, other than that you, you just, you just say you, you've been working out for a long time and, and, you know, you kind of like what Jay Cutler said, like you got that edge, like, you know how to do this. <laughs> There's really not much you can say. It's, it's not going to be comfortable if you're not willing to, uh, say what you're doing, uh, because there's going to be an elephant in the room. Uh, and, and then the other thing was that uh, I've had a couple guys ask, uh, you know, what do you, what do you tell like uh, your your wife or your girlfriend or or some girls that uh, that are angry about you taking steroids or something or wanting to take steroids? And, uh, you know, the the main thing that you should be able to say and this should completely disarm them is that. You know, steroids, anabolic steroids are male hormones. They're they're testosterone and derivatives of testosterone. 
And uh, birth control, pills, shots, etc., are all um, female steroids, um, estrogen and progesterone, and derivatives of estrogen and progesterone. So females are taking steroids. You know, most females in this world use steroids. Um, uh, they're using the female version. Um, bodybuilders are using the male version of steroids. Uh, there's the female version, estrogen, progesterone, and then there's the male version, testosterone. Uh, and so, you know, if they've ever used any kind of birth control, you know, that would be such a, a huge hypocritical thing to be angry at you for using uh, testosterone or other steroids because they, in fact, use steroids and probably have been for a lot of years. Um, and that, I, I mean, that's pretty much, that's pretty much it. That's pretty much it, man, is that if, they, you know, they, they throw, they throw uh, steroids at females because it's, uh, it's obviously a cultural thing. Um, and, you know, they're like, oh, you have acne? Here's some steroids, you know, and they put them on birth control, you know, they put them on their, their female steroids. Um, and, or, or, you know, you have cramps when you have your period, here's some steroids, you know, it's like any reason at all, just put them on steroids. Just, they're just like, take these fucking steroids to girls. And, and it's very society acceptable. And if anyone says something about like, oh, you know, you shouldn't take your birth control. It's like, what are you talking about? You insane person getting into my business and my, you know, my birth control should be free and should be paid for by the government and all this shit. It's my human rights. And then they're like getting mad at you if you want to take your steroids. Like that doesn't make sense at all. Okay. So that's pretty much it. If, if any women are ever asking you about steroids, just dude, birth control, that is steroids. You're taking the male version. They're taking the female version. Facts of life. <laughs> All right. Um, so let's get to the, the first question of the day. It was a, it was a very good one. Um, Carter asks, hey, man, love the podcast. I was just wondering, though, why you never really talk about the importance of genetics and bodybuilding. You always say steroids are the foundation of bodybuilding, then nutrition, then training. But none of those is the foundation. Genetics is. Doesn't matter how many steroids someone does, if you don't have good genetics for growing muscle, they won't put on nearly as much muscle as someone who does. Anyway, enjoying the podcast, but that one thing was really bothering me. Yeah, so I appreciate the question. Uh, so bodybuilding is very different than other sports. I've t talked about several times about how other sports steroids are uh, uh, real sports, you know, uh, our, our steroids are just the finishing touches. But when it comes to bodybuilding uh, physique, uh, changing your, the way your body looks, um, the genetics are definitely not the um, primary component. And so let me let me tell you uh, why this is. Uh, Bodybuilding is based on gaining weight and losing weight and then being on hormones while you do that. Um, so as we can see from uh, just looking around us, any person has the ability to eat like a pig and get up to 300 pounds, get up to 250 pounds, you know, 350 pounds, etc. A lot of most people can do that. Um there are some people that have, you know, metabolisms that prevent them from doing that to some degree. But, you know, usually if they 
get enough liquid food in, they, they can do that, enough liquid energy. And then the same thing is that if you starve a person um, for a prolonged period of time, you can bring their body weight down. Okay, and so what happens when you use steroids is that you're manipulating the hormonal environment, the metabolic environment in the body that says what tissue goes on when you gain weight and what tissue goes off when you lose weight. So since we already know that anybody can eat their way up to 300 pounds, well, if you put them on steroids and you put them on enough steroids, well, there's going to be an insane amount of muscle mass gain going from something like 150 to 300 pounds. And they're going to look like a bodybuilder. Um, and then with the cutting as well, you put them on the right steroids and you put them on some trenbolone so that they're not losing muscles and, and, um, you make them lose weight and they're going to lose fat and they're going to get cut up. Um, the, the thing that I, you know, that I think people get confused with is that some people, you know, they're talking about dosages, you know, you got these guys saying I'm gifted and, uh, and this is why I, I use low dosages, you know, you know, guys, that's really smoke and mirrors. So there is some small differences in, in dosages between person to person, like, you know, one guy might need 1,500 milligrams to get to this level, and another guy might only need 1,000 milligrams, right? Um, but it's not the kind of uh, difference as like one guy needs 125 milligrams and the other guy needs 1,500 milligrams, okay? It's not a, a massive tenfold difference like that. It, it's a relatively small difference. There, there's been studies using uh, steroids on humans from zero milligrams and then in increments all the way up to 10,000 milligrams per week of various different steroids. And the uh, gains are, are linear gains as you increase the dosage, the muscle mass and strength uh, has a linear effect going up. It's a straight line. It's not a, a line with any kind of diminishing returns, okay? And so that's from all study participants, not just some study participants. Uh, people respond to drugs in a certain way. You know, everybody that drinks alcohol responds in a fairly similar way. Some people are a little bit more sensitive to the effects um, and some are less sensitive to the effects. Some are better able to handle it without getting sick, etc. Um, but the same thing, but everybody gets the, you know, the same general effect from drinking alcohol. The same thing with any other drugs, any other drugs that you, you might use, uh, medications, Tylenol, ibuprofen, okay? We know what these substances do, and we know what approximate dosages have certain effects in the body. And it's no exception for testosterone. So when you're talking about, um, you know, getting big, becoming a bodybuilder and then, um, you know, becoming shredded um, and using these hormones, um, genetics definitely are not a, a important factor at all. They're, they're so unimportant, actually. Uh, it's, it's, it's really a very minor thing. Um, on the other hand, what you look like is, dep is dependent on your genetics. So if you're talking about a certain look, as in what you think is a beautiful body or something, you know, if you really want a beautiful body, you know, that is genetic dependent. The shape of your muscles, the insertions of your, your muscles, the width of your bones, stuff like that, that's genetically dependent. So 
that will that um you know the steroids and stuff they won't change that if you grow up uh if you're born with a uh, uh the way your chest looks the way that the angles are you don't like the shape of it well then steroids aren't going to change that for you you can still get a big one uh you know you gain enough weight and take enough steroids and gain enough strength you can still get a big chest uh but the the way it looks is not going to um it's it's not going to to change as far as the shape of it and and or someone with a certain uh ab genetics you know they don't like the way that their abs look uh that would be another thing where you know genetics came in but it it wouldn't prevent them from being able to have a six pack or being able to have developed abs things like that um and then you know different people have different um amounts of fast twitch or slow twitch muscle fiber in certain areas on their bodies some people have a lot of fast twitch, high growable muscle fiber um, on their, their arms or some have it on their back, their, their chest, their legs. This is called weak points and strong points, which is just, again, normal genetic variation. Uh, and this is where you get the different proportions of the body. Again, the proportions of the body, which is then, then dictating, you know, how it looks, how the end result looks. Uh, but it's not dictating, you know, whether or not that person is gaining a huge amount of muscle and whether they can be ripped. Being able to be really big and really muscular and or being able to be really ripped is not genetically dependent. Uh, so anyone can be a bodybuilder um, and anyone uh, can be big and muscular. Anyone can be lean. Uh, those are not dependent on genetics. So so that that's a, a very interesting thing about bodybuilding. Um um, so I think that, that pretty much, uh, clears that up, clears that question about genetics up. So definitely steroids are the foundation of bodybuilding and, and diet. Um, the, what you look like, um, you, you know, you really shouldn't be worrying too much about that though. That's really stuff that you can't change as far as the genetic shape of your body, just like you can't change the genetic shape of your face you know, the width of, of certain bones, if you don't like your hip bones or you don't like your clavicle or something, that's really feminine to be worrying about stuff like that and being depressed about stuff like that. Like, oh, I was born with my hip bones and they're not the right hip bones. I wish they were smaller or, or, or my clavicle isn't wide enough and I'm depressed because I can't look the way I want to and having a fit or something about it. Like, what a pussy. Uh, you know, if, if it's, you know, it's normal though for people to go through stuff like that, especially like younger guys, teenagers, etc. you know, not comfortable with their bodies yet, but you are you, you are who you are. And you know, the, the best way to do it is to get, get big, get strong and get lean. And, and then, you know, like the shape that you have, maybe, maybe it's not one of these shapes that is, uh, really, um, appealing to the eye and streamlined but if it's not i mean you can still build a really powerful and strong look and that's really the only thing that matters if if you're a if you're a, a man you shouldn't we talked about this in, in other episodes being worried about like uh how beautiful you are and thinking that this is you know the really important quality that's very feminine and very unmasculine it's uh it's it's not a it's not a becoming trait. Uh, that's not going to uh, it doesn't reflect well on you uh, to be really worried about um, 
you know, your, your eyebrows and your hair and, and it needs to be perfect. And, and your, your, uh, your clavicle needs to be the perfect width and your hips need to be the perfect. And, oh, you don't like the shape of this on you. Mm, it's, it's not good, <laughs> you know, focus on being, being, uh, big and powerful and, uh, and just you, the best version of you. Okay. So that's how, uh, genetics, ties in with bodybuilding mainly just depends on what you look like and a lot of people have some kind of idealized um picture in their mind of what they want to look like a lot of it has to do a lot of times with two they think like that will get them sex or something you know if they can look like that that guy they've seen then they're gonna get uh they're gonna be able to have more sex with the the people they want to have sex with and and uh you know, you know, it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. Uh, when you have the perfect body that you want, the people that you want to have sex with aren't going to come running to you asking you to uh, have sex with them or or faint when you ask uh, when you want to get to know them and, and have sex with them. It might help you get your foot in the door a little bit, uh, but it's not going to have the uh, effect that your fantasy has created that. When you get this body, then you're going to get the, the sex with the people you want to have sex with. <laughs> there are way for that might be true with women, but it's not true with men. Okay. It's, it's not, it might be true if you're gay. I don't know, but it's not, it's certainly not if you're straight. <laughs> All right, let's get on to the next question. Sucking on teats asks, Anonymous question for the podcast. I'm in the military and thinking about getting on my first cycle to just look good and regain some motivation in the gym. 500 test for 16 weeks with 20 milligrams D-ball for the first four weeks. Half milligram Arimidex every other day. Do I have to worry about this showing up on a drug test? Okay, well, to answer that question, no. Um, normal drug tests don't test for steroids, like recreational drug tests. You have to take specific tests for steroids to be tested for steroids and have it come up on a test. And you also have to be on that test. You have to be specifically tested for each steroid that you could possibly be on. So if you get a, a steroid test and you're on Winstrol, but that steroid test isn't exactly testing for Winstrol, then it's not going to come up on the test. Uh, so steroid tests are not routinely applied uh uh, they're very rare to be applied for something like a, a recreational drug test. Usually it has to be like, oh, okay, we want to test this guy for steroids and it's expensive for them to do it because they have to test for every single steroid to see if some steroid comes up on the test, then, you know, that's what you're on. And then, you know, so it's a special order uh, steroid test. Uh, so definitely no, um, you know, having ha being on some steroids unless you're being specifically tested for steroids is not going to come up on a drug test. Um, so then the next question he has is what are the best ways to prevent infections? That's probably the thing I'm most hesitant about because my healthcare is regulated by the military. So I need to prevent any health problems to prevent it from affecting my career. Okay. Well, uh, whenever you break the skin, um, and put needles inside of you, there is a minute chance of having some kind of an infection. That's why the first thing that you do uh, before you uh, take any injections is you, you wipe it with alcohol. Uh, the alcohol kills 
the bacteria on the surface of the skin. Uh, most infections, uh, there can be dirty gear. Um, gear that is not pharmaceutical grade is uh, more likely, uh, well, you know, pharmaceutical grade gear does not have any kind of bacteria inside. Um, but gear that is uh, uh, UGL uh, could possibly have some in there. And that's usually why UGL uh, gear gives more um, post-injection pain is to be, because to prevent uh, or to make up for the fact that the uh, manufacturing environment that they're using is not as sterile as a pharmaceutical grade product. They use more um, sterilants inside of the inside of the steroids. So the more percentage of the oily solution that you're going to inject is going to be alcohol based, um, a higher percentage of alcohol in the steroid solution. And that is uh, irritating to your muscles, which is why generally uh, UGL gear gives more post-injection pain uh, than pharmaceutical grade gear. But um, with the preventing the infection, yeah, you got to make sure that um, the, the bacteria on the uh, surface of your skin is dead so that when you push the muscle through or you push the needle through your skin down into your muscle, you're not pushing uh, any bacteria from the surface of the skin down into there. So that, that's the main way that you, uh, you can prevent um, an infection. Um, some people do a little, they, they will filter their gear at home. They'll use a filter, which is a syringe-like filter, um, which is uh, pretty common, uh, but not common to, commonly available, but not common to use. Um, and another way that people uh, make do like an extra step would be to bake their, their gear uh, at something like 175, 200 degrees in the oven, obviously airing out the small vial with a, a thick needle, like a 16 gauge or 18 gauge needle so that air can escape or else it'll explode from the hot air being inside the small vial and expanding. Uh, there has to be some way for that air to escape, uh, but they'll do that. You know, if they have a, this, these could be extra precautions that I'm talking about for somebody that is, you know, really afraid of an infection and, uh, it, you know, not confident in the sterility of their gear. And they're, they're trying to do extra, you know, whatever they can to make that not happen. These, these kind of things could be done. Uh, but again, the, the main, the main thing is just having a sterile product, um, having, having a well-made sterile product. Um, uh, so, you know, ha having a trust in the manufacturer and it's definitely most easy to trust pharmaceutical grade manufacturers. Um, but that does definitely doesn't mean that all UGLs are not sterile. I mean, obviously not quite, you know, the, it's so I'm just saying that there's less risk. There's less risk. Okay. You're always going to be taking a risk though. Cause like I said, anytime you break the skin and put something down into you, you have the risk of plunging bacteria with that needle deep into you. So that's just the, even in hospitals, sometimes people get infections from the nurses giving them injections. That's part of it. You know, if you do get an infection though, if, if you have antibiotics on hand, there's a, a really strong antibiotic, um, Zithromax, azithromycin, thousand milligrams. If you keep that on hand, um, and you're starting to get an infection, it's very broad spectrum. So basically any different kind of bacteria that is in you causing an infection, you, know, you take the Zithromax 
and uh, it, it, can, it can usually kill whatever that is if you're starting to get an infection, and then it will go away um, if, if you took that. Um, so that, these, these are different ways that you can, you can deal with that. Um, if, if you really had to keep it away from your, your em, employer um, medical coverage, you, you know, I, I guess you'd have to be, you'd have to go to, you'd have to pay out of pocket and uh, go to a private service provider, you know? So there's different ways that somebody might handle a situation like what you're talking about. Okay. Next question is from Dominic. Hi, Dan. I've been listening to you for a long time and all your advice has been good. I have a question for you. High testosterone plus any 19 nor. So Trenbolone or DECA or uh, Ment, Trestolone, those are all 19 nors. He asks, should I take Caber and Arimidex? Okay. So whenever uh, you take testosterone or something that is converting to estrogen... Uh, so, for example, uh, ment, trestolone converts to estrogen. DECA converts a little bit to estrogen. And trenbolone does not convert to estrogen. Um, and testosterone does. So, uh, if you ever put testosterone, you know, paired with estrogen, or paired with uh, trenbolone, then you, you would definitely need to use an anti-estrogen. If you use trenbolone alone, you would not need to use an anti-estrogen. Uh, but then these other ones, trestolone... And uh, DECA, you know, it would definitely be the right thing to do, the wise decision to have an anti-estrogen on hand. And then if you're um, pairing them uh, with testosterone, you know, absolutely, because testosterone uh, produces estrogen and that doesn't change whether in the presence of any other steroids you want. You know, uh, there, there's some rumors that Mastron uh, prevents uh, estrogen conversion. And there may be some very small uh, estrogen uh, anti-estrogen uh, effects of mastron, but it's mostly from blocking the effects of estrogen at the receptor, not preventing it from converting and being in the body. Um, but uh, it's, it's not very effective, okay? Uh, anti-estrogens are much stronger than something like mastron or provirin, and they actually take the estrogen um, out of the body instead of just block its effects. Um, so, they're, they, yeah, they're very effective... Um, if you're using cabergoli, if you're using DECA and you're using, uh, testosterone, yeah, you need to have cabergolin on hand too, because if you do get uh, progesterone prolactin effects from the DECA, uh, the Arimidex, uh, won't be able to touch those. So say you start getting DECA gyno or DECA dick where, where you, you can't finish during sex or you, it's hard to get an erection. Um, you can take as much Arimidex as you want or, or gyno, you know, deca gyno, deca tits. Uh, you can take as much Arimidex as you want and it, it won't affect or have, have any effect or do anything to help you until you have that cabergolin on there solving the progesterone prolactin issue. And then your estrogen will be able to start doing its thing. Um, same, same thing with, uh, with Trenbolone, you know, you're running testosterone and Trenbolone. You're taking uh, Arimidex to make your estrogen stay low from the testosterone. Well, if you start getting trend, trend gyno, you can take as much Arimidex, as much Novidex as you want, but that's not going to be taking your uh, taking your prolactin levels down that are going up from the trend balloon. And, uh, you, you know, you're going to 
have gyno and it's going to keep on progressing um, until you get something to bring down your prolactin levels, such as paramipexal or cabergoline. Uh, so, yeah, you know, you say when you're using high test plus any 19 nor, should you take caber and arimidex? The answer is yes. You should have both on hand. Um, you don't want to use caber though, unless you need it. So, you know, one people, a few times people ask me, you know, how do you know you need caber? Well, if you can't finish during sex, you need caber. And then another one is, uh, if you, uh, if you get a deep stinging, painful feeling gyno, not a hot itching, uh, gyno on the surface, but a deep stinging, painful gyno, uh, you definitely need, uh, cabergoline, um, all right, and then uh, the next question is from Forged. He asks, this is also a similar question, can NPP nandrolone phenylpropionate cause decadic? If so, any remedy, remedy for it? And, and yes, it can. Uh, NPP nandrolone phenylpropionate is the fast-acting form of, of DECA. DECA is uh, nandrolone decanoate, and the, the decanoate or the phenylpropionate are the esters attached to the hormone nandrolone. And the ester dictates how fast it becomes um, available, active in your body, and then how long it stays in your body, how, how quickly it decays while it's in your body. Um, so NPP has very similar um, effects to DECA. It feels a little bit different because the speed at which the uh, hormone gets into your body makes a difference in the way that it feels consciously feels and uh, especially like the mental effects it can have. Um, but the, uh, the hormone is the same, the, the nandrolone, it's both nandrolone. So they can both absolutely cause decadic. And if you do have decadic, you will be able to solve that from taking cabergoline. Um, decadic, trendic, you can solve it by taking Cabergoline. Um, the the normal dosage that uh, is usually used is a half milligram twice per week. Cabergoline is very long acting, so you only need to take it twice per week, like Monday Thursday. Uh, if you don't, if you can take less and it's fine for you, that's good. If you have to take a little bit more, like uh, three times per week, half milligram, that's okay too. But uh, in my opinion, uh, but I wouldn't go up more than that. Cabergoline has some. Um, negative effects. It can, uh, it can affect your heart negatively if taken at high dosages for long periods of time. And the dosages that I'm talking about, uh, for that is a four and a half milligrams and up, um, or 300 milligrams plus lifetime dosage. So, uh, you know, you want to be sparing with cabergoline. You want to use uh, the least possible you can use and, uh, not using it all the time. And, uh, you know, that's another reason, too, not to go crazy on the 19 nors. Um, you know, 19 nors, uh, very strong, very effective, um, can, can cause cardiovascular effects, though, um, if uh, really used and abused for long periods of time. Okay, Dilfit asks, hey, if I could ask, I'm getting gyno bad from prolactin. I'm guessing due to the trend I'm using, and my AI ain't touching it. Is that because I need cabergoline and tamoxifen as well? Yeah, I, I like I like these questions because you know we're really getting uh, a good spectrum feel on 
19 nors and and how um how you can deal with uh the side effects that you get from those so yeah so you're you're taking trenbolone you're taking testosterone you're getting gyno and you've been using an ai so a remedex or examestane or letrozole and it's not doing anything to stop your uh gyno so there are a couple of things you can do you can stop taking your trend until the gyno goes away um or you could lower the dosage to make it easier to deal with with cabergolin. What you need is, is you need cabergolin. Uh, you need to get those prolactin progesterone levels under control. Um, you need to get them down. Um, and then at that point, then your AI will be able to uh, shrink it. And tamoxifen, which is Novodex, also will be able to help shrink it. Uh, but if you've got trend gyno, Decagyno, um, you will need to re- you'll need to use cabergolin first or pramipexil first before you can get that gyno to go away with something like tamoxifen, Novodex, um, and and AI. Um, it's very essential. So, you guys, when you when you run uh, Trenbolone, when you run Deca, a lot of times it's like, oh well, I, d- I don't need that. You know, I'll. I don't need that. <laughs> don't start unless you got the cabergol in on hand, man, or the pramipexil on hand. I did that my first cycle too, and I chemically castrated myself for you know like about a week, and I had to put in like an overnight order for um, for pramipexil to get to get myself some pramipexil to fix my chemical castration. You know, I had a noodle. It, you know, it couldn't get erect. Um, so that was. That was pretty funny, and, and and that's happened to so many guys that I know too because they stopped they started the trend or the deca without you know thinking like I'll be okay. <laughs> All right, next question is from Patrick. Hey Dan, I've heard a lot of people say you need to eat over maintenance to grow on high testosterone only, a thousand milligrams plus per week. Is this true, or can I just eat and maintenance and grow as well? Is it smart to grow this way, just blasting high test as this is what I've been doing? It's going to be hard to make major body composition recomposition changes, trading uh, fat weight for muscle weight, staying the same weight um, with testosterone only because it's we've talked about this before. If you were to put the effects of testosterone on an equalizer for an audio like low, mid, high, it's pretty equal all the way around in its effects. It doesn't. Um, really have a specific effect on certain nutrients it just has a pretty even basic effect on all nutrients um something like adding a windstraw in has a very potent carbohydrate partitioning effect trenbolone does too um and and both of those chemicals you, you know you add them in and it becomes a lot easier to trade fat weight for muscle weight um, than it would be on just testosterone and, and also bulking on just testosterone. You're going to gain more fat than if you had, uh, you know, one of those partitioners, Anadrol, um, Winstrol, uh, Superdrol, Trenbolone, uh, Deca in there that, that have a, a high, uh, a high specific effect on something like carbohydrates and partitioning the, those to muscle and away from fat, um, doing only testosterone is the healthiest way to do it only testosterone and only growth hormone um 
So for long-term health, what you're doing is the, the best way to do it. Um, doing short bursts, though, with um, other highly partitioning, highly nutrient partitioning uh, steroids would be very uh, beneficial to you, though, in making gains. Um, all right, the next question is from Bradley. The book Ultimate Guide to Roids is a godsend. I love it. I'm currently blasting on 200 milligrams test siphonate per week and got off. Oh, no, you're cruising on 200 milligrams test siphonate per week and got off a blast of 750 test C and 50 milligrams Winstraw for 10 weeks with awesome results. Good cycle. My question for the podcast is the following. I have had a ton of guides tell me to take Anivar with my Winstraw for better results. Are they synergistic and is it beneficial to take both at the same time? And do you have to adjust the dosages of either? Um, yeah, yeah. When you, you know, stacking oral steroids works so good. A few people say, uh, I've asked me before, will, will it do anything to, to stack orals? You know, will, will that have a good effect? And, and the answer is hell yeah, hell yeah. It has a very powerful effect. Um, stacking different orals together and Anivar and Winstrol especially they have a great a great synergistic effect say you were you're taking uh, 50 milligrams of Winstrol I definitely think you would have the best results on 30 milligrams uh, Anivar 30 milligrams Winstrol together that's a that's a good way to do it you should experiment though um, experimenting with this stuff and finding out exactly what works the best for you uh, makes a big difference um most people, though, are going to respond best to taking more different types of steroids all at the same time rather than at lower dosages, rather than um, taking only one or two steroids um, at, at one time and taking really high dosages of those one or two. Uh, the reason for that being is that each steroid has different uh, ways of affecting your metabolism. And when they uh, affect your metabolism, they have a nutrient partitioning pathways in, in how you process your food, um, how you digest your food, where it goes to what cells it goes to, what cells it stays away from, um, different uh, metabolic effects like that, um, chemical things happening in your body. So when you take all the different kinds of steroids all together at the same time, even at low dosages, you can get all these different signals going into your body that help... Um, they're each of their characteristic effects to affect your metabolism. Um, and that, that works really good. Uh, so different steroids, oral steroids, for example, that I th think work really good stacked. Um, Winstrol goes really good with basically anything, especially with stuff like, uh, like D-ball. You, you'll get real, real bloated and a thick skin on D-ball, but big. Uh, but there'll be water between your muscle and your skin and if you add in Winstrol with the D-ball, it will move a lot of that water that is uh, in the skin outside the muscle. It will move the water into the muscle. So then you'll look a lot better. Uh, the the Winstrol having kind of a balancing effect on the D-ball like that. Um, you'll look you'll look uh, big still from the D-ball, but you'll look leaner because the Winstrol moved a lot of that D-ball water from the skin to the muscle. Uh, Another another good one is um, Winstrol with Anadrol. Uh, Winstrol with pretty much anything. I mean, Winstrol is a really good one to just combine 
20, 30, 50 milligrams with any other oral steroid. Um, Anadrol and D-ball is good. Uh, Superdrol and Anadrol is good. Superdrol and uh, Winstrol is good. Another good combo is Winstrol and Terinabol. That's good. A good general rule for, uh, uh, you know, if you're going to dose one steroid normally at, uh, like, say, 50 milligrams, if you're going to start putting them together, stacking them together, doing something like 25 milligrams or 30 30 milligrams, you know, so halving the dosage and then combining with with other steroids. Uh, Yeah, so definitely consider in your experimentations um, combining different types of steroids together. You can really get really strong effects doing that. Uh, Being on more different types of steroids at the same time on lower dosages, but combining lots of types rather than uh, jacking up the dosages of just one or two and running them at the same time. Okay, Nick asks... Hey, bro, love the show. Need some advice. I'll be coming off my cycle, my first cycle, in about four to five weeks. My plan is to take six to eight weeks off to let my body recuperate, and then I want to go back and do a real proper cycle. I have HCG on order and already have plenty of Nolva and Clomid and an aromatase inhibitor. So here's my question. Because I plan on going back on cycle soon, should I just do the HCG for three to four weeks and then take another three to four weeks off with no drugs? Or should I also do the Nolva and Clomid? I ask this because I know you've said in the past that PCT drugs like CIRMS are not healthy. So I'm wondering if I should save the CIRMS for when I come off my second cycle, which there will be several months before I go back on that time. Um, well, why, why are you taking the CIRMS? I think is why you should ask, what you should ask yourself to answer this question. Um, I think one thing that you're you're concerned about is is keeping your natural reproductive system shut off for a long time, so you're wanting to start it back up. So taking HCG alone will do that. Uh, it will do that faster and more effectively than taking uh, Novodex or Clomid. But Novodex and Clomid turn it on from a different angle. HCG communicates directly with your testicles. Novodex and Clomid communicate with uh, with your brain. Uh, to make uh, to make the uh, reproductive system naturally start happening again. Uh, as far as your question of, you know, since this is short and you're going to be going back on in about six weeks, if you should take them, uh, definitely take the HCG for three or four weeks, like you're saying. And, uh, you know, then when you when you go off, uh, you, you know, you'll probably want to take a little bit of Novodex just to prevent gyno anyways. Um, hold off on the Clomid. I don't, I don't think that's necessary. It won't make you feel good. But, uh, if you take a few weeks off after that, and, uh, if you're ever just feeling like your nipples sensitive or something, you take a uh, Novodex on those days. I think that would be fine. And you wouldn't need any, anything else. You wouldn't need to take a, a bunch of Nova, Nova and Clomidex. Just save it for the most part. Just use it to prevent gyno. Uh, during that time when you're taking nothing after the HCG. And, and actually, when you're taking HCG, too, you'll have estrogen being produced, so you'll need to take uh, some Novodex or some Arimidex during that time. Okay, next question is from Sean. Hey, Dan, love the podcast. Listened to all the episodes multiple times. 
Just wondering when it comes to anxiety attacks on steroids. Is this an existing mental state or is this the cause of high estrogen or chemical reaction? I'm on 500 tests, 300 equipoise, and it's going on five weeks. Had a big anxiety attack and can't seem to get out of this funk. Wondering if there's a solution. Well, I've discussed this a little bit in the past. Steroids increase the stress in your life. Um, They make you more paranoid. Um, They make you uh, more suspicious, things like that. Um, Which... I mean, if, if you're, uh, you're, you're out in the wild and, uh, you're, you're an alpha male with high testosterone, it's probably pretty good to be suspicious and, uh, um, to be a little bit paranoid of, uh, things to protect yourself from getting killed by a usurper who wants to become the king of the hill. So makes sense, man. Um, they the steroids they increase resting adrenaline levels, so your adrenaline is going to be a little bit higher just when you're sitting there. You may even notice a little bit of a trembling or a shake, um, in in your hands or your fingertips simply from taking steroids and and having a, yeah, you know, just when you're sitting on the couch doing nothing, you're resting adrenaline. The amount of adrenaline that is in your blood when you're not doing anything is going to be higher when you're on steroids than when you're not. That's also a reason why steroids generally increase blood pressure a little bit from being on them. Um, you know, if, if you're getting anxiety attacks on it, you know, then you're taking too much for what your brain can handle right now. You may be able to work yourself up to that dosage. You, know, you should probably take out the equipoise because it's, it's a not, not natural hormone and may, maybe you don't respond well to that and, and you just the test, stay on that and see how it goes. Next cycle, try a different one other than equipoise um, and try the same dose of testosterone probably. Um, that could help. But but just, just know that steroids generally do increase stress in your life. Paranoia. If you're getting actual anxiety attacks though, um, you know, the, the best advice is that you're taking too much for what you can handle right now, um, or you're taking a specific hormone that doesn't agree with you. And um, my hunch would be that uh, equipoise could be causing you a problem. Uh, you know, maybe it doesn't agree with your mental chemistry, and uh, trading that out for for primabolin, um, trading that out for winstrol. Um, those ones don't really have uh, strong mental effects. Anavar doesn't have strong mental effects. Would recommend that. Next question is from Jason. Hey, can you help me? I'm running 1,000 milligrams testosterone, 1,000 milligrams DECA, 25 milligrams of D-ball. What do I need to take to protect myself? I'm just taking over-the-counter estrogen blockers from 5-start nutrition. Okay. Um, you need to get, uh, a Rimidex or Letrozole or Exemestane, uh, to control your estrogen levels. The over-the-counter estrogen blockers are not going to be potent enough. Uh, the combination of D-ball test and gyne- and DECA could cause, you know, significant gyno if you're, if you're at all sensitive to it. 
um, and at the very uh, minimum to control the, the estrogen. Testosterone and D-ball both produce estrogen. So you'll need uh, a pharmaceutical aromatase inhibitor, a pharmaceutical anti-estrogen. And those are letrozole, arimidex, and exemestane, aromacin. Um, for the DECA, you could get prolactin, progesterone-related side effects. And in order to neutralize those, if you get them, uh, you'll need either cabergolin or paramipexil. Uh, so in order to protect yourself, uh, you're going to need to get your hands on one of the one of these two, cabergolin or paramipexil. And then you're also going to need to get your hands on one of these three, letrozole, arimidex, or exemestane. If you have those, you can keep running your cycle and you'll have what you need to take care of side effects if you start to get them. Next question is from Will. He asks, my cabergoline turned out fake and now trend gyno's sitting in. I ordered more, but it will take a few days and I'm wondering what to do in the meantime. Would P5P help? Would you go to a doctor? What would you do? Thank you very much. Um, yeah, the, the P5P stuff or vitamin B6 uh, taken at high dosages has had uh, some... Uh, scientific research done on it of uh of bringing down prolactin levels and but in the real world uh, using that in order to control uh bodybuilding trend deca related gyno it doesn't do anything man it does nothing absolutely nothing so um you know that's not the way to go if guys are you know wanting to use that instead of uh a dopamine agonist Premipexil or cabergolin, you, you got to have one of those if you have prolactin, progesterone-related side effects, or else uh, it's going to be bad news um, just relying on that. And and one thing I wanted to say about science, too, because uh, a lot of people hung up on, on, you know, what does science say? Well, so science only knows what science knows, okay? But science is not God, so science doesn't know everything. They're still learning things. There's new scientific discoveries. Science is not a god. They don't know everything. And science only knows what it knows. So everything that science doesn't know yet is not scientific. But that doesn't mean it's not real. That doesn't mean it's not happening. That doesn't mean it's not true. It just means that anecdotally and through experience, people know things that work. And science, because it's a man-made thing, it's not a god, it isn't to that level yet. It's not yet able to explain why that is happening. So never never trust science as in, as in like, oh, this is the end-all, be-all. I need to follow the science and, and look at these guys, these science guys who, uh, you know, they're really into the science and uh, try to do everything very scientific. Uh, you know, they're not having the best results uh, following the, the science. Uh, it's, it's a mix um, with, with everything in life, you know, th this goes, but with bodybuilding, it's a mix of science, exper experience, anecdote, uh, gets you the results. Uh, so just because something uh, uh, isn't scientific, it hasn't been proved by science to work, it doesn't mean it doesn't work. It just means that science, a man-made study of things, 
does not yet understand the mechanisms by which this works. So keep that in mind. And um, that's just something, too, to to help you not be tricked by the religion of science uh, because it's it's used in that way. Science is used in this way as a religion to say this is what's true and this is what's not. But, you know, it's very tricky but false because there is a, a lot that science does not know and that doesn't mean that it's false. It just means that it's limited by what man has discovered. And uh, they, they're not gods. <laughs> so they don't have all the answers. There are a lot of things that science doesn't know that is true. A lot of things that are true that science doesn't know about yet. They're not the all-powerful gods of knowing in the universe. And um, just because they don't know about it doesn't mean it's, it's not true. Uh, but anyways, yeah. Um, what you say with uh, what would uh, I do if I was in your shoes and I had trend gyno. My Cabergolin was fake. Uh, I ordered more, but it's going to take a few days. What to do in the meantime? I'd stop taking Tren. Uh, I would uh, usually, uh, you know, I always recommend to take Tren acetate, not Tren anthate. And one of the reasons for that, other than that just Tren acetate works better and it's more potent, is that if you run into problems, you can stop taking it. And within three to four days after your last shot, it's gone from your body. So in this situation, if you're using acetate and you, you're don't have you're getting trend gyno and you can't control it, it's growing, getting bigger, and you're waiting for your cabergolin, just stop taking it. And within a couple of days, it should uh, it should significantly reduce because that trendbolin is not going to be in your body anymore four days after your last shot. Okay, next question. Samantha asks, hey, I've been listening to your podcast. I've been interested in Primo Bolin and noticed women take a max of 200 milligrams a week. But for men, it's a minimum of 600 uh, to see change in your body. Uh, just curious what you think. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. So with women and steroids, the, the thing that is, is really under-discussed is what it does to their genitals. Okay. So people talk about like, oh, it can make your, your voice hoarse, which it can. Um, it can it can make you grow masculine hair, which it can. Um, and another thing that's kind of under-discussed, but that it does do is it increases the calcium deposits in your bone in sexually dimorphic areas. So it makes uh, your brow ridge. You get, grow more, women will grow more bone in their face. Um, the overhang where their forehead uh, and uh, eyeballs uh, like eye sockets start, it will get thicker there and create that kind of manly caveman appearance um, or like more of a transsexual looking appearance there. Uh, that That's one of the, you know, the major irreversible facial changes of, of women taking steroids. And um, I'm not I'm not saying don't take steroids here. I just when we talk about women and steroids, we have to talk about, um, you know, what it does, because it's very untruthful and dishonest and deceptive, the information that's out there. And so the other thing is that it, it really um, has a strong effect on the women's genitals, okay? So, um, you know, one thing that they they say and is, is uh, uh, something that people might know about, they say like, oh, the woman's clitoris will grow 
Okay. Um, yes, that's that's true. It will um, very significantly, very significantly. Uh, but also, their their uh, the the lips, the inner vagina lips, will also grow. Um, the uh, you know the embryo uh, grows uh, from a a unisex that it starts out as um, and starts it, it it has a in your development when you're in the womb. There's a, like a, a, a bud that grows in the genital area that then, depending on hormones that come then uh, turns it into, uh, you know, male genitals or f- genitals or female genitals. Um, and the um, the part on that embryo that um, uh, corresponds with the male scrotum, the ball sack, is the intervaginal lips of the female, um, at, which then has um, uh, dense male hormone receptors on it. So when you as a female take steroids um, before there are any type of muscle effects, before there's any type of muscle growing effects, the first thing that they notice is um, their clitoris being irritated and itching and growing and their vaginal inner lips growing, uh, becoming more rugged looking more scrotum looking and um, becoming larger, thicker. Um, Another thing that can happen is the inside of their vagina uh, closing and making it hard for something to to be in there because the vagina is kind of uh, closing up um, and um, the the space in there is kind of disappearing. so those are the the first effects that women get from using steroids. Um, those that like, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I don't. It's very unflattering. It's very unflattering to speak about. It's kind of like unspeakable, and this is why um, those effects are you know not talked about. But uh, you know, I'm not going to sugarcoat anything on this podcast. So that's why I felt that I needed to uh, put that out really clearly there that, um, you know, within a week, girls who use steroids, male hormones start experiencing these effects. Um, and, um, you know, not, not cover stuff like that up because that's very significant to have major changes happening to your private parts. Um, and then that not being discussed, um, that's not fair, not fair to people that are going to use, use that. Um, you know, they need to be informed of what can happen, uh, what will happen, what will happen. Um, all right. So, so moving on, um, as far as, uh, the, the premobile and what kind of effects that has in women. Yeah. Women, women use, uh, injectable steroids. Some of the injectable steroids that, uh, women use women who use steroids, um, equipoids, testosterone propionate, um, premobolin, and some use very small dosages of trenbolone acetate as well. Um, fast acting stuff is always going to work better for women because if it's in and out quickly, then there's less of a sustained effect, a sustained response being sent to the, the male hormone receptors in the woman's body um, 
making uh, the more sustained the responses, the more that these masculine uh, aspects of using the male hormones are going to be um, setting in because it's, you know, 24 hours a day. Um, so with the, the primobolin, uh, primobolin injectable is primobolin enanthate. So when you take that, it's a long acting and uh, it stays in your body um, from one injection. It, it won't go away for a little bit over a week. Um, so it'll just be having those effects long like that. But the type of primobolin that women use is primobolin um, acetate tablets, which is uh, in and out. Um, you know, in a, in a matter of hours, in a matter of hours, primobolin acetate tablets, um, not like the injectable. So it um, is more, it's less harsh because of that. It's less harsh. Um, it's less persistent in the, the effects that it's giving. So it's more forgiving as far as side effects ha have to do with. And then also if you're getting side effects and you want to stop, and, um, you know, things are going wrong, you can get it out of your system, you know, just by not taking it for a couple of days. Whereas with an injectable form of primobolin, once it's in there, it's in there and you can't get it out of you for a few weeks. So side effects have a longer time to sit in. Um, that's why, that's why, um, uh, Anivar is a good one, uh, for women that want to use steroids is that, uh, the Anivar is... Uh, in and out quickly again, orals. Um, some women use SARMs too, use low dosages of LGD-4033 or Osterine, and those can work with them too. They they also, they all have masculinizing side effects, um, any kind of male hormone, the same way that, you know, if, uh, if uh, I decided to start taking uh, birth control, estrogen progesterone uh, tablets, of course I'd start having a, you know, right away. Of course, I would start having, um, you know, female feminizing effects to my body. Um, you know, before it made my skin uh, more smooth and feminine, if I did that, you know, it would go to the most sensitive areas in my body to female hormone receptors. And, and what's that? Well, my nipples. Because, uh, you know, those were formed in the body before the sex of the baby was determined and the uh the hormones associated with that sex started being produced so if i supplied the female hormones to develop those uh breasts they wouldn't become like a woman's breast but they would become like a uh uh not pleasing to look at um hybrid of a sort hybrid of a masculine feminine chest a, a hybrid uh you know what what they call bitch tits gynecomastia in a man um and that would be the first thing that i would notice if i took uh estrogen progesterone birth control tablets um that would you know the first couple of days i'd be like damn you know, i feel this in my nipples and uh and then you know more more effects would happen over time more feminizing effects would happen over time so it's the same thing with with the females is what i'm trying to say um a lot, a lot of women, um, I, so with, with women, if you're going to use them, if you're going to use them, would definitely recommend the fast acting, fast in and out stuff. Tablets are always better than injectables. If you are going to use injectables, use fast acting injectables. So if you use testosterone, 
it's got to be propionate or suspension. Uh, if you use trenbolone, it's got to be acetate. Um, if you use DECA, um, nandrolone phenylpropionate, NPP, the fast-acting version of DECA, it's in and out in a couple days. It's got it's got to be that one. You don't want to use a long-acting DECA. Um, tablets are always better than injectables for females um, because they're in and out in a matter of hours. Uh, so so Anivar um, and uh, um, the the tablet version, the Primabolin acetate tablet version of of, uh, of Primabolin, not the long-acting Primabolin enanthate injectable version of primabolin um for women though that want to use performance enhancing drugs to help them clenbuterol is great clenbuterol is great if clenbuterol isn't enough doing a little thyroid hormone with it also works good 25 to 50 micrograms of t3 thyroid hormone it makes you weaker but uh it increases the speed of your metabolism and has a synergistic effect with uh, clenbuterol the T3 can kind of, uh, T3 thyroid hormone can kind of have some um, anxiety producing effects and it can kind of affect your heart rhythm a little bit in some people. Um, but other people don't get those effects. Um, Clenbuterol, I, I would say, is the best supplement uh, for women. Uh, you know, women, you know, they say, I want to I wanna lose some fat. I want to gain some strength, gain a little bit of muscle. Um, well, Clenbuterol can help with both of those. Being on clenbuterol will make you stronger. Uh, it'll make you have less water retention in your skin, so you'll look more defined, and it will help you burn fat really effectively, really effectively. Um, you can do it in cycles, 20 micrograms a day for the first week, 40 micrograms a day for the second week, 60 micrograms a day for the third week, 80 micrograms a day for the fourth week, and then uh, take a two- to three-week break and then do another cycle, ramping up like that again. And for most women, uh, you know, clenbuterol is a stimulant. Uh, it doesn't have any male hormonal effects, so they'll still get the performance-enhancing effects they're looking for, some increased strength, some increased muscle definition, and help with fat loss uh, without having any masculinizing hormone effects. If you would like your questions to be answered on the Steroids Podcast, go to steroidspodcast.com and leave a comment with your questions or email or private message steroidspodcast at gmail.com or steroidspodcast on Instagram. Until next time. <laughs>